This is Power for Living, the Bible teaching ministry of Christ the King Church in Wakefield, Massachusetts. I'm your host, Feliciano Segundo, and our teacher is Father Michael Carl. So get all your Bibles and let's get started. I remember the time when I first fell in love with the woman I would eventually marry. The truth is, I was completely smitten by that wonderful girl. My thoughts were almost completely devoted to thinking about this wonderful woman. And not only that, my yearnings were for those times when we could spend time together. Most of you know what I'm talking about here. When you love someone or something deeply, your thoughts and desires are for that person or thing, are they not? I had a chaplain in the army. He was a ham radio enthusiast. Now, that's been so long ago, I wonder if anyone even remembers what a ham radio is. Still, this man was really into electronics. And whenever he would start a conversation, nine times out of ten, it would be about something electronic. So, here's the question. What or who do we desire? The sermon today is over our psalm reading, Psalm 63, 1 through 8. O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches, because you have been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. King David wrote this psalm, interestingly enough, when he was in the wilderness of Judea, running from the advance of his son Absalom's army. Absalom was attempting to take over the kingdom, and David had to flee Jerusalem along with his aides and remaining supporters. So out in the hot, dry wilderness, David spoke of his desire to be in the Lord's presence. You see, David loved God. And as a result, his longing was for God. So let's look at what David says. He says, first, O God, you are my God. This may seem like senseless repetition because he says God twice in that line, but it's not. David was actually telling the Lord that he, the Lord, was David's God. God 
and God alone. God, you are my God, David says. This was somewhat different than what other people said in their religious affections in David's day. Even in Israel, some of the people were still tempted to worship idols. So God, I mean, so, excuse me, so David is declaring something quite different from the rest of the people. When everyone else said or had multiple gods, David declares his allegiance to the one true God. And then he says, early will I seek you. While we read of David's faults early in 2 Samuel, that little deal with Bathsheba, David still hungers for God. It's his first thought every day. First thing in the morning when he wakes up, he thinks of God. He tells us that his first priority is seeking God. There are other Psalms where David writes about longing for the Lord's presence early in the day, throughout the day, and even late into the night. I will meditate you on the night watches, he says later in this same psalm. And in Psalm 119, verse 148, and about you know, many other places. The next line is awesome if you think about it. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Charles Spurgeon reflected on this when he wrote, As David, though king in Israel, had to flee across the Jordan to escape from Absalom, so may the most assured and the most sanctified of God's people be driven for a while into a dry and thirsty land. Now, for most of us, that's not a particularly pleasant thought of being driven into a land that is spiritually dry and thirsty or maybe even literally. But thinking about this, for those who have given their lives to Christ, this world needs to be nothing more than a dry and thirsty land. We need to hunger and thirst for God's presence to the point that we become aware that nothing or no one else can satisfy our deepest longings. In the same way that when we first fell in love, that person who occupied our deepest affections was at that time the only one who could meet the need for companionship. The growing Christian must come to the place where nothing in the world can satisfy those deeply felt needs. You see, the world is broken, as we've seen by reports from Ukraine the earthquake in Japan, and a constant barrage of stories of crime and violence. You turn on one of the local stations and you get almost nothing but crime, fires, accidents, and some other horrible incidents. That's all we hear about. So we would all agree, would we not, that the world is broken? So that's our invitation to do a spiritual inventory on our lives if something in this world can satisfy the deepest longing of our hearts. Is it possible that there is something in this world that can satisfy that longing? If so, we need to adjust something somewhere. Now David writes in verse 2, So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. What does David mean by this? David sought God at the tabernacle. 
as earnestly as a thirsty man looks for water in a dry and thirsty land. The wilderness of Judah is largely desert. So this was a picture of longing that came easily to David's mind. Has anyone here ever driven through a desert? Not a lot of trees and not a lot of other things out there, is there? That's what you call a dry and thirsty land. And that's what David is reflecting on here. He feels his soul is like that. And that God is the only one who can water that desert. Spurgeon said again, there was no desert in his heart, speaking of David, though there was a desert around him. Learn from this and do not say, I will get into communion with God when I feel better, but long for communion now. It is one of the temptations of the devil to tell you not to pray when you do not feel like praying. Spurgeon adds, pray twice as much then when you don't feel like it. To see your power and your glory, David sought God at the tabernacle to connect in some way with God's power and glory. Significantly, David was not at the tabernacle when he sang this song. Remember, he was out in the wilderness of Ju Judah in the desert. Yet David is telling us that he knows that God's sanctuary is not only a place like this sanctuary here. It is a spiritual reality that we can actually enter into wherever we are. Wherever we are. And I know that it's true that anywhere can be a sanctuary. So, guys, get ready for a barrage of stories about me being in the hospital because that's my most recent experience. But when I was in the hospital and was given a walker and I could finally get up and move around, I would get up from my bed and go into this big room at the end of the hallway, which was right next door. That room was next door to where I was. During those days, that large unoccupied room became my sanctuary because I would go in there and pray and I know and I knew that there would be no one else coming in there because it was actually used as a storeroom and on that day when we had that huge Saturday snowstorm everybody remember that I went in there and just sat in the chair and looked out the window and asked God for what he wanted from me and what he wanted me to do and the changes in my life he wanted me to make because he allowed that experience to come upon me. You see, God might not have smitten me with it, but he obviously permitted it. And there was a reason. And there are moments since that time when I've gotten out of the hospital that I'm still asking him what that reason is. But the point here is that that storeroom was my sanctuary. And I felt safe moving into there because I knew no one would bother me there. And I was free to pray as much and as long as I wanted to. We need to have that same attitude day by day where whether there's a medical storeroom or a closet in your house or some corner of the store where we work 
or in the factory where we work, where we can go and find a place that can be our sanctuary and pray in the middle of the day. Just as a suggestion, don't do it so often that they start wondering where you are. But there can be a sanctuary wherever you are. And if our hearts are longing for the Lord and His kingdom, anywhere we are can be a sanctuary. And yes, I'm repeating myself because that's an important point to get. The closer we get, we will see His power. This doesn't always necessarily mean spectacular signs in the heavens and fireballs and all this other stuff. But this means having the Lord open our eyes to see what He's doing right here in our lives right now. And in the lives of our loved ones, too. This means seeing that, that lost relative suddenly asking questions about God. This means seeing that neighbor starting to ask questions about the church we attend. These are signs of God's power and that he's working in the lives of those people. If we have a relative, whoever it is, be it a spouse, a son, daughter, cousin, uncle, aunt, suddenly starting to ask about the Lord, you can know that that is a sign from God that he's working in that person's life. Verse 3, Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. Take note of what David is saying here. I will lift up my hands in your name. David was so motivated to pursue God because he knew that the loving kindness of God was better and more meaningful than life itself. What we can see from this is that David both knew and experienced God's loving kindness. How many believers today know and experience God's loving kindness? Here's a list of contrasts that show us how David's experience with God may be a bit different than ours. And let's be honest with ourselves here. People regard life as natural. David regarded God's love as natural. People enjoy life. David enjoyed God's great love. People value life. David valued God's great love. People will sacrifice to live. But David would sacrifice to find God's great love. People want to give life to others. David wanted to give God's great love to others. People despair without the sense of life. David despaired without the sense of God's great love. So this morning, let us honestly ask ourselves how we stack up to that list of comparisons. Where is our heart? What do we desire? Let's move on to verse 5. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. David is praying to God. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. And now my soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, 
and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. I want to clarify something here. In the Bible, when it talks about fat portions and fatness, it's not literally talking about the fat. You have to cut off your steak or your roast. It's talking about the actual meat of the matter. And the bigger the animal, the more meat there would be. That's what David's talking about here. Not the fat. And my lips shall praise you with joyful lips. Think again about David's circumstances. At that time, David was cut off from his source of marrow and fatness. His royal cooks couldn't prepare those scrumptious meals out, of, out in the desert. Still, David could find satisfaction and joy as he meditated on God. He knew God was his protector and defender. David even likely knew that he would gain the ultimate victory in his struggle over Absalom because God was his defender. Now, you may be asking, how did Absalom learn to betray his father? Well, for anyone who's been a parent here, we know the importance of showing an example to our kids because Absalom probably learned how to be sneaky and devious from his father. But David, all in all, when you get to the bottom line, still craved God's presence. Do we do that? David held on to his faith no matter what. And he never forgot who his God was. So this morning, let's think about where we've been and where we've come from and where we're going. Because I know that every one of us in this room have gone through rough times where it seems like we're in exile in a dry and thirsty land. Right? But today, God is calling us to come to him and let him be our God. And yes, I have to remember that too. But we need to let him be our God and our comforter, the one we seek early and the one for whose presence we thirst. And let's not make it complicated. And really, as my recent experiences verify, all we must do is make up our minds not to give our fears control and to put our trust in the living God who loves us, redeems us, and yes, indeed, heals us. Amen? Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's edition of Power for Living. If you happen to miss any of our other programs, be sure to go to our podcast page at ChristTheKingNorthShore.Podbean.com. And you can also visit our website at www.ctknorthshore.org. If this program has been a blessing, feel free to let us know. Write us at Power for Living, Care of Christ the King Church, 4 Railroad Avenue, Suite 309 in Wakefield, Massachusetts, 01880. Or you can also send us an email at ChristTheKingNorthShore at gmail.com. You can be a part of this gospel ministry by becoming a patron of Power for Living. You can find out how by clicking the Become a Patron button at the top of our podcast page. That's it for this week, and until next time, remember that Jesus is your Power for Living. <laughs>